I've had a request for all five, but we don't all know them, so the first and the last verses <laughs> of the rap tag. Hello and welcome to That Option No Longer Exists, the podcast that is self-isolating like any Labour member who seems to say anything about any religions. Uh, well, that's not self-isolating, is it? I'm John Bounds, uh, with me stretching the boundaries of the big tent on the other side of over there on the right is Mr Adam Juniper. Am I really stretching the boundaries by, you know, wanting to join and then hoping Labour win? I guess I well, guess hoping Labour win and presenting rational policy is stretching the boundaries rather than wanting to be in a club of people who talk about things which are morally right all the time but never get anything done. It's nice you invited a straw man into the uh, discussion as well. But hello there, um, the rebooted Wurzel Gummidge. You've recently rejoined the party. How long were you out of the party, Adam? Can you calculate that? No, because I'd have to remember exactly when I left. You know, and I tell people it was aggressively because of Jeremy Corbyn and everything like that. But really, it's been a long time since I was effect active. So that's been a, that's been a long time, really, hasn't it? Did I ever tell you I left the party once? Yeah, did you? For a very brief period of time. Was that um, during the new Labour period? No, I mean, no, I was never a member. Never, I was never a member until the dying days of the Gordon Brown administration, when I joined. So, so main... you joined when you saw it going, you saw, ah, ah, now here's a club I want to be, not one that wants to be in government, but a party that, that was the appeal? Well, it is the same thing that leads me to support Birmingham City, I suppose, in a, in, in, but I, it's, I, I'm a lot more comfortable when um, fighting for the underdogs. But I joined essentially because um, I really wanted Labour to win the two, 2010 election, but I didn't want to vote for our local candidate so I was kind of like assuaging my guilt so uh so by joining you made it you were voting for a bigger team what I was I, I was planning to basically work uh, as hard as I had the opportunity for um a Labour government but at the same time I was going to vote respect I was going to vote for Salmi Coop in uh, Birmingham uh, Hall Green against Roger Godsiff who was a nightmare and he's gone there thankfully in the end when it came down to it i got into the polling booth and i voted labor anyway because i just i couldn't cope with the idea that my vote may have swung it like on a governmental level if it was going to be i thought it was going to be really close and one mp could have made all the difference well there was a chance it would be close it was close that well, election it was close. wasn't it yeah yeah, so it was good. So then I, um, I voted for Ed Miliband um, without knowing a huge amount about him. In fact, a lot of the newspaper scare stories talking to, talking about him being Red Ed and stuff. That was what made me uh, put him as uh, my first preference on the on the leadership ballot. Not too long into um, Ed Miliband's uh, reign, he refused to outright support strikers at Heathrow. Yeah, because that upsets middle class voters, and. So what was the, what is the point of a Labour Party that doesn't support trade unionists? There is no point of in a party that doesn't have solidarity with strikers. So I quit at that point, and it, then it was like not too uh, close to the next election when I thought, oh bloody hell, I better join again. So it's um, yeah. So I was out for about I don't know four years, possibly. 
No, that seems to say that's a much more rational time. I mean, I wasn't out until, I would guess, early Corbyn. But I think possibly quite a bit sooner. You know how you move house and don't tell people? That's what happened with Labour. Plus, I had I was a member of a trade union, um, uh, the the NUJ, and there's quite a lot of meetings and uh, chairing things, and you know, it seemed it seemed enough, you know. But the NUJ is quite special in a way because it has to be not too political, doesn't it? Of course, I mean, go back to your earlier point. I, I would hope the party would think a little bit about supporting strikers because if if people went on strike because they didn't think there were enough fascists in the country or whatever, then maybe the party might not want to back that. I can't remember the Heathrow issue, but I imagine that wasn't it. I don't... I mean, I can think possibly that um, certain members of the BBC NUJ chapel might uh, go out on that reason, or possibly you know, the PFA or the Cricketers Union, um, the two unions that are supposedly the only ones more right-wing than their employers. Uh, huh. But um, it's unlikely to happen. I, I I don't know. I think you have a you have a duty at the very least, and this is what Ed didn't do, and um, caused me my little rupture. Was um, he didn't even say the bare minimum was. Of course, I support their right to strike. No one takes a decision to strike lightly, and I think that's the absolute bare minimum of um, support you can give a strike. And um, he, he didn't, so there's, there's no point. But since you've since you've come back into the fold, uh, you, you know you start you've been more active. You started going to meetings. What changes have you noticed? Well, I mean, I'm now in a quite left wing branch, um, one of the one of the London ones that nominated uh, Rebecca Long Bailey, um, rather than be influenced by you know trying to win. So I've noticed that there does seem to be quite a, an enthusiasm for discussing, discussing policy, which I think, uh, you know, they, they talk about with great pride that the meetings are now lengthy discussions of policy, rather as in the past, you know, that they'd show up once a year and uh, pick who was going to have what post and, um, and that would be the end of it. And I w- was then presented with a very long maybe well informed it was hard to tell but certainly not anything beyond primary school level discussion of the green new deal early mm-hmm. after uh, you know very soon after that policy had not be, not proven a vote winner so i, I um, think i'm i'm not sure there are i i think it didn't it didn't show up as a it wasn't an election winner it may well have been a vote winner. I think it was vastly underplayed. Um, I mean, so, I, yeah, carry on. The only thing I gained from it was an understanding that people had thought about stuff which they had definitely not successfully presented. Now, I mean, the last election was not an election where that sort of thing was ever going to get through. But there, were, well, there was a phrase in the Green New Deal that I hadn't heard before, which was essentially, we promise we will retrain you. So even though we'll get you fired, we'll get you a new job in a less depressing or less immoral industry. Yes. Well, the, 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 um... There was a tighter phrase for it than that. But the phrase itself sounded jargony. It sounded like the sort of thing that you would not be able to persuade a, gener- a general voter, even if they liked the idea. Do you know what I mean? Well, something... 
yeah, well, we've talked before about like the Lucas plan and things like that, and it re- requires explanation, doesn't it? But the sort of transition to um, green jobs is something that's got to happen, and it's. I was really surprised at um, conference how many of the trade unions were on board with that because that can traditionally be a little bit of a, a sticking point, can't it? That um, they are, you know, defence jobs, for example. Um, yeah, it's very, it's very, it's very difficult to persuade some unions that scrapping Trident is the right idea when it clearly is, but uh, um, because they, they're worried about the. the the effect on their members, which is is, is the tension between um, trade unionism and complete and wider class solidarity. Yes, yeah, and you're never going to win really that particular tension because it's always going to be true that some, especially if you're talking about wiping out industries wholesale, and obviously in a perfect world you wouldn't have to have that much defence going on. We tend to get into a bit of a a bit of a scrap about me wanting to be realistic and and you wanting to be, you know, create the perfect uh, socialist utopia. And I tend to get depressed about it because I'm like, well, you can't do it in one country unless you do it in every country because the other countries will then just win and devalue the country, you know, the currency. You you would be economically destroyed if you tried to create, um, you know, it'll do a Venezuela eventually, right? Mm. Um, But I realise... undermined by the CIA. Um, well, you see, that's just a theory. No, I, I don't think you'd need the CIA to undermine any any one country striving to achieve a perfect socialist society where nobody earned above a certain amount, nobody earned below a certain amount, because you wouldn't have the money to gift people at the lower end, and anyone who was above the top end would just flee to another country. So you Poss- have no, possibly you know, Cap- Cap- yeah. capital isn't that um uh, as movable um but yes okay in theory yeah um it over time it wouldn't all happen straight away it will happen over time in the same way that after brexit it'll take years for all of the london banking to leave london and take away that huge chunk of gdp that's not really productive money but is money um, but it will happen. And anyway, that's another rant for another day. Um, anyway, what I realised is what I want is a perfect Star Trek universe where the whole planet is <laughs> under one magical uh, rule. And I was sort of realising that because I was looking at the sort of weirdness of different countries competing to declare war on the coronavirus in different ways. And thinking, wouldn't this be better if it was managed by some other organisation? It's almost like we should, you know, some sort of World Health Organisation might be needed. And um, I mean, so many people would say there always or is already is a, uh, a shadowy conspiracy of people controlling the world. Um, yes, but, <laughs> yes, they, but they, and the they normally they expel get, from get the party fun. quite quickly. <laughs> Not quickly enough, but. Um, but also they get far higher ratings on their podcasts and lunatic channels and all the rest of them because insanity is popular. Is it Auden that says um, uh, a sentence can make a whole world appear? Um, if it's not, it might be someone else. Uh, well, it is someone else, but it isn't him. But the so the, the theories of Marx and, and Mills and Friedman and all that have created this entity capitalism in thought. 
And it starts off as an economist's model or a philosopher's model to explain how the system works. But these days it's so evolved and so complicated that you can treat it almost as an organism. And capitalism is essentially a parasite that is doing things. So it can, it can feel like there is a, a global conspiracy acting in things. But in reality, it's just the, I don't know, uh, genetic or mimetic survival mechanism of capitalism forcing these things to happen through its different outreaches. And none or very few of the eventual actors doing the bad things that capitalism does are thinking, right, let's do a bad thing. They're just doing it because that's what they do. So, yeah, in other words, when we pontificate on the subject of any sort of political interaction, what we're essentially being is the people who need an imaginary friend or space aliens to explain things. Um, It's just a variant on conspiracy theorism. Um, Not really. I think models can be... Models are very useful, and uh, it's um, the idea of... uh, This has gone quite philosophical, hasn't it? um, Don't we sound quite uh, like smart so the concept of um intentionality essentially if you give something a name it becomes easier to talk about and discuss so um the green new deal or the green industrial revolution or whatever you're going to call it is a fine example of that um so it is a sort of a an amorphous set of policies and policy levers and how they're going to be pulled that is an attempt to realign an economy towards saving um the planet or decarbonizing at least which in theory we think will um save the planet or become more sustainable at least so the giving it that name and allows it to be discussed it allows it to be put forward as an idea and you don't have to understand all of the nuances to you know make a case for and decide that yes that's the thing we should be the, the aiming for that's the sort of thing we should be aiming for so it's kind of Doesn't it's really it also useful. make it easier for the opposition to hate it well, true, but that's but you so in an in an ill-educated way. So rather than understanding why it might be good, they're much easier to go. Well, people I generally don't like already have advanced this theory, so I also hate this, and by extension, anything green. Um, you know, it, it helps people who might lose their jobs and be upset about that lump the idea of generating electricity using wind farms in the same thing. You can't really. You have to. These are the reasons why you have to fight these political battles, and you have to fight for political education. But here's an example for reasons I won't explain on the podcast. I was sitting around a table with four or five women in their late sixties, early seventies uh, the other day. Speed dating. It was speed dating, everyone. And the conversation turned between them i wasn't really uh, involved in this particular conversation the conversation turned to greta thurnberg who they all really hate well of course they they do she's young they're old they hate her voice they think she's being manipulated they think she's a hypocrite in somehow for going across the atlantic on a boat without a toilet um, because that's it's far less <laughs> because she had to lean out the side of the boat and add some nutrients to the sea. I don't. I, they, they they didn't use the phrase virtue signaling, but it's the idea that she was um, basically. Oh, well, it's not practical. We can't do that when we go to America. No, the idea is that you like, don't go to America. There's no need for you to go to America. Um, but oh no, they should, and it's all well. They just and where this hatred has come from you can only assume is the sort of mimetic ideas of the of the right and far right and 
But it's very, it's very difficult, isn't it? Because one of the things there she was getting pilloried for, oddly, was the thing like, oh, so she wanted to go to America to uh, speak at the UN. Um, most people who go speak at the UN would take a plane. But if, but if you talk about environmental issues and take a plane, you, you get pilloried for that too. Yeah. Pilloried for that. So what she did is she did it in a carbon neutral way, which cannot have been fun. Um, no. I mean, like going on a rowing boat for half an hour on a pond is quite nice. Um, anything longer than a sort of two or three hour ferry journey is incredibly tedious. So imagine what that was like. But she, but she did it. But they, they decided to. They, they decided to, or the sort of consciousness <laughs> decided that they were going to dislike her for that reason. So the this is these are very difficult things to fight and. I said before the election that what Labour needed to do was find something that individually reached and made total sense to each person who they wanted to persuade. And I still, whoops, I still think that's true. You need, you need to give something a name because you need a soundbite and you need intentionality and you need all those things. But you need, you do need the detail. But and, and, and but you have to accept that you can't get the detail to everybody and the different bits of detail need to go to different people and. Yeah, I don't. I don't this com- politics life is quite complicated, isn't it? It is. It is. The more you drill down, the more trouble you get into. Much easier to come up with an entirely friendly media base over years, pop into an election, say, "Tell you what, we won't tax you for running that newspaper or that evil um, organisation," and in exchange, just repeat our phrase: "Vote for the Tories" or something about Brexit, and uh, it'll be fine. I mean, it didn't seem to be the strategy that was being put forward at our uh, CLP AGM. No, no, it's it's <laughs> yes, uh, our AGM as well. Um, it was just a, a long talk about the environment, followed by uh, the distribution of positions, whereby the person who has been chair forever and clearly lives in that role retained it, um, and selected. Sorry, not chair, uh, secretary. Uh, the person who uh, chair, uh, a new chair was selected who I couldn't, I wasn't eligible for any of this or voting um, by like two weeks of when I joined. Were there any shocks? Were there any Were there any noticeable factions? Were, were any of the positions contested? None of the positions were contested. I don't think they ever are. Although, of course, subtly people were, you know, well, these aren't contested. So once one person has been put forward or nominated... Nobody would dare, you know, putting their hands up, even if they wanted to. That's uh, interesting. And, and also, I thought it was very interesting that things, you know, like arguably the be- the best job is chair, right? All you have well, to the do easiest is tell people job to is chair. exactly. You tell people to shut up, plus you get the most sort of attention on you, unless you're secretary, in which case you pick somebody who's not very, you know, inclined to intervene, so you can effectively also chair the meetings which is appeared to be what happened in front of us. And um, then, then uh, you know, the thing, thing that became a bit obvious after that was the the need for a 50-50 gender split. This is public policy, isn't it, right? There's no, we can put this in a podcast. No, no, that's... No, that's yeah, that's, that's possible. We've had some problems with that at our branch uh, over the years because, um, quite simply, there weren't enough women putting themselves forward unfortunately for for positions oh, yeah and there weren't enough women attending as well 
So not all the positions were filled. Some were left for the influx because I'm I'm not the only person who joined recently. Uh, and sometime in May or June we'll have another uh, meeting. Have you got your eye on anything? Well, all that's left at the moment is social media, which isn't, you know, sounds like hard work. Um, I'm, I really enjoyed being chair at um, NUJ meetings, uh, but that's uh, that's a long time ago. I'm not sure I'd enjoy So our, CL, our CLP meeting, uh, our branch meeting, which, uh, which was in January, um, uh, had represented a little bit of a sort of left takeover, actually, um, which was interesting, um, despite there being a few new members who... Uh, clearly were not quite of, of the left. And that was important because of the way that our uh, CLP selection um, went. And basically at the CLP level, um, only um, delegates uh, to the to the committee, to the general committee, uh, get a vote on the the officers and of the of the CLP. Yeah. So um, in a joint CLP, because it's two uh, meeting and which is around about four and a half thousand members, I think, something like that. Uh, and a meeting attendance of a good two hundred plus. Um, I would. There were around about um a hundred, you know, like sort of hundred and fifty, hundred and sixty, possibly voting members there. Yeah. Based on you know that's with um, branch members and trade union and association delegates and stuff, so the poor people who were not <laughs> committee delegates, why they bothered with this particular meeting, I do not know because that was all that went on. We just had statements and votes all night. Um, that was what I guess. Was, uh, I guess they want their job next year and they want to have been seen around. Maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe so. But um, maybe they're lot- learning. Well, maybe they just fancied a night out. I mean, it was a Friday night in Oxford. There wasn't a lot to do. But um, there was worry, uh, I think, beforehand. Um, that there was, there was, there were a number of um, contested positions, and they weren't all uh, sort of pure left-right ones. But the, they had coalesced as a, a kind of left slate, um, which won all but one of the positions. So that's good for you. Um, well, that's good for society. Um, According to you. Yes, and I'm right. Um, but ah, <laughs> No, you're not. <laughs> I mean, because left, sorry. Yes, but it was, I mean, it was, in, it was interesting. So the one uh, position that, um, but this is, uh, I suppose, this, I'm not talking about a turn, this will be, this is public knowledge, it will be in the, the record. But interestingly, the one position that was contested and what, didn't go to the left, didn't go to the left slate candidate, as it were, um, on the first round of voting came out exactly equal, a tie. So the delegates had to vote again. Hang on. So the same delegates vote again after yeah. a dramatic drum roll, pause, a little bit of music maybe to lead it in? Nothing, well, nothing. It was, this is um, paper voting, not a show of hands. So it was an exact tie, and then you, you'd voted again with your uh, reserve slip. And quite rightly, someone behind me was saying, what's the point in this? Surely everybody's just going to vote the same again. But what did what wasn't accounted for were... Basically, some people had lost their ballot slips, the second supplementary ballot one, so couldn't vote. And some people had gone home. (laughs) 
so the, so the, the, the vote that he did, did produce it did produce a result second round and that's so, so, the, so, so in that case the left had slipped off to the pub a bit too soon well, or, 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 I mean, I don't, I don't know who that had the, I don't know how the voting had, had gone, and the the, the winner was um, an impressive candidate anyway, but um, and maybe some people changed their minds based on the statements to the to the meeting, but it was just, this is when you hear the media talk about these, you know, these the, the beds of infighting, these constituency parties, or they're um, they're going to, it's a hot bread of trots and anarchists, and it's horrible and it's this and it's that and it's so and you know and it sounds so but we now bloody. know of course it's only 52 percent trots and anarchists but and, and uh, we know that 52 percent beats 48 percent it sounds so bloody i think the point is it sounds so bloody organized and it really isn't and the margins of victory now the margin of victory in the leadership and the number of clps that i've seen um not for the the actual final vote but for those CLP nominations were really really narrow yeah so no that's true here too don't yeah not to take too not to take too much um notice of them and also um the yeah the idea that the idea that you can have a um I think 800,000 person selectorate uh, and really have a very good idea about what they're going to do, and or indeed how many are going to bother voting, is still seems strange. The actual contest for the leadership is unexciting. It's really dull, isn't it? But um, it's got more dull as well, hasn't it? The Nandmeister had suggested that it would be a good idea to cut down on. Um, reselection uh, and I have to say I did sympathise with her point um, in that it does seem to just provide a lot of armament to be used against the candidates it does it sort of creates an impression of infighting because the stories are always covered and I know that you disagree because of this week in Twitter I think you may have had a go at her for saying exactly that um, and suggesting that um Oh, what was her name? Cortez? Yeah. Was selected um, using uh, a, a democratic primary. Yes. Um, and I was going to dispute you, because the thing is, we're not, it is not a thing here. So we don't look at a, a primary and we don't go, ah, but so-and-so has successfully won in a primary. Because in the Tories, you know, nod, wink, whoever was poshest went to the right school or promised to vote Brexiteer, you know, depending on when the Tory was selected, is um, is the winner. So it all happens very quietly. So I'm not saying it's a good thing that we don't have, but because we don't have primaries even-handed on the either side of it, we're not used to it in the same way. It just does appear to be infighting. And it does allow people to take chunks out of each other on the Labour side, while nothing apparently happens on the other side. So the situation as it stands is can create that because what you have to do you have to negatively campaign against the incumbent well, yeah, in, or, been... in order to force an open vote in a proper system of open selection or a primary system you don't need to do that you just you can just positively campaign for your candidate or for yourself 
Mm, yes, but no one is. I mean, well, no, we don't, we don't lot, have them, so you can't belief, do that. Yet. No, no. I mean, even where that quotes positive, close quote system exists, people still want to win, right? And there is one way to make a positive point is to draw out the problems with everyone else. In the same way that Rebecca Long Bailey is banging on about, you know, um, Keir Star. She's not exactly being positive when it comes to funding in discussion. Um, I think people are simply asking questions, and it does no difficult. There's no problem with asking questions because these are the same questions that the media will answer as soon as it becomes in their interests to harm rather than support a particular candidate. But okay, so you you make my point for me. People are always going to be negative, um, one way or another, right? Well, you so, know, but, you, but the, at the moment they definitely have to be. Um, and the one of the reasons I think why the Labour leadership contest has been so dull is that it hasn't really been doing like that. I mean, no one officially, none of the other candidates are officially calling out Lisa Nandy for some things that are blatantly untrue, that she said. Um, they're not. They're not. Uh, so other people are, but not the candidates. So the candidates have all gone, well, yeah, no, let's just be even-handed and positive about our own things. And that's, unfortunately, giving some people who haven't really got a proper policy platform or haven't even really got the proper ideas, I don't think, um, it's given them an advantage. I would argue, I mean, I have to say, I would argue, you know, just brief aside, that a policy platform is not the thing to have now. The thing to have now is a sort of convincing-looking leadershipy confidence. Um, and there's plenty of time to work on a policy platform between now and the next general election, sadly. Well, no, I, I, unfortunately, I don't think there is. I think you need that policy platform now because it will take four years to get those ideas through. So one of the reasons why, um, moving across to the States, one of the reasons why Bernie Sanders is doing so well this time, I think, is essentially his policy platform was, has until not Until a couple had... of weeks ago, everyone, we're recording this on the Tuesday the 10th, so we know that Bernie isn't doing as well as he was, eh? Well, but he's... But the the idea, but the the concept is his his policy platform is well established, and he's had four years to talk about that. So that's that's really useful. That's what gets those things down into soundbites. You do need four years to. So the Green New Deal is such a radical thing. You will need four or five years to get that into people's heads. Is there and a if, way of? not talking about a Green New Deal? Is there a way of the Green New Deal being something that we talk about in the, you know, in the chosen half million or whatever the party membership currently is, but it is only presented in terms of two or three very good things, like unarguably good things come the election? That's all about presentation, isn't it? So it, it kind of was last time. There was... There were, there were, there was, you know, um, a million green, a million green jobs, or decarbonised by twenty thirty, which probably is impossible now, but you know that still would still be a name, you know, and things and things like that. So, the it is possible to do that. Yeah, it's down to what you call it. But, um, but whatever you decide, those things need years to bash in, and that was one of the the big problems with the. The timing of the the 2019 election, in the sense that lots of those things that became sort of planks of the the manifesto, um, hadn't been bedded in. They'd been ah, worked out. But so, they in a been system in. where an election might just happen at a different time, the party isn't well. 
that's a that is an a disadvantage to the Labour Party because and it, yeah, in the US, of course, the elections are scheduled. There's a prime, you know, primaries that kind of thing. Everyone knows when it's going to happen. Well, in theory, our elections are, um, are scheduled, but the um, yeah. well, well, we say. know that that you know that one piece of legislation designed to bodge that one government through and. Um, Cameron had a bit of form there, didn't he? Yeah, they may well repeal that, but they may, which means they may well be able to call an election at a time of of their choosing. But it's it's still well, incumbent traditionally, on. Traditionally, I mean, you know, New Labour did it well. Like, let's make it four year terms if it looks like we're going to win. We can well, we can I'm... always delay it if there's a major public health crisis. Well, um. Uh... Corbyn Brown obviously at that time chickened out of that one that he probably would have won. It is important to have a policy platform now. The idea that the idea that the main tenets of what needs to change in society are going to be different in four years' time is nonsense, isn't it? Too. No, I reckon. Yeah, society is still going to be broadly fucked. Well, that, and yes, as it has been for the last, you know, millennia, Ever. many millennia, but it, the. <laughs> Because if you are reacting to um, the public opinion in that, you know, in, that, in the in the way of um, like opinion polls and focus groups, rather than in the, you know the public good, and you know not and bringing that public opinion along with you, so the green, you know, the green new deal or something like it is the aim, the thing that's needed. So you've got those four years, not just to persuade people to vote for it, but you've got to bring enough people along with you. In order to do that persuasion, you've got to, you've got, you've got those four years. You need to pull them, rather than saying, "Oh, in, in three and a half years' time, oh, what does it look like people will vote for?" Yes, I don't don't disagree with you on that. I just, um, I think there are there are ways that it can be. It, well, it would be nice to keep some of it apart, and it would be nice if things. Well, presentationally, it would help if people didn't wave Palestinian flags at party conference, that kind of thing. It would, presentationally, it would help if people on the Labour right didn't keep going on about that. If uh, if if unity is the aim, um, then there are ways... You know, you have to walk that unity as well as talk it, don't you? And I think there's there's no um, suggestion that some of the, like, the Labour first guys that are lining up behind Keir Starmer are really going to do that because that's never been what they've done in the past. Whichever way. I mean, there's a fair chance that Keir Starmer will be the next leader of the Labour Party. How are you going to deal with that? I will be interested to see um, how many of the uh, policies that he says he's committed to he'll actually keep on with. Because my... Suspicion is that he won't. I mean, I don't. I don't. I have to say, I don't. I don't pay that a lot of. My money would still be on um, Rebecca Long Bailey at this point, because I I feel like Keir's Keir's support is is very similar to Corbyn's support of the EU. At some public efforts, but he's like the people who support him are a bit like seven out of ten about it. Well, I think that I, I think interestingly, I think the, the um, the the 
election will be won on Lisa Nandy's second preferences. Not hers, but her supporters' second preferences. So that's... Maybe it'll be that tight that her second preference vote will do the difference. Well, dear, then we have Keir Starmer as leader of that, but the... the I, she won't put one. But the... Um, the the, the, I think there's, as we have seen, there's, the, and he, this is in SLP too, very for, very few transfers on the second um, round of voting went to uh, Rebecca Long-Bailey. It's almost like Rebecca Long-Bailey has looked to have to win on the first preferences, and I think that is really, really difficult. So I don't know. I'm not... Uh, if you pitch yourself as the unity candidate and Nathan Andy has been drifting further and further right as this contest has gone on, sort of taking up the space left by Jess Phillips. She's sort of, yeah, I guess she's moved maybe, but she's done it by, and she's also like, you know, jumped onto the, um, you know, some bandwagons provided by Rebecca Long Bailey as well, not least the funding thing. It's been a little bit depressing at this point, especially since it, of course, has drifted down the news agenda so much from the fact that we're all going to die when we're 86, 27 of flu. There is nothing on the news agenda by that. Um, if, the, if a Labour leadership candidate wants to get some news, they need to work out how their campaign is going to be affected uh, by it and start releasing some... Uh, stats about how it will change the the politics of it or something because um, it's uh, have you had your head talking of which have you had your ballot because that seems to be the only um, talking point uh, I, I people have, have not had their ballot yes no that's right I wanted to talk about that because there's a proper conspiracy theory in there also being advanced a bit by the Nandy camp I think go on then um, a conspiracy theory yes that the party activists, you know, and the party itself, um, which is, of course, largely under the control of the left at the moment, seems to have been a bit slow to deliver to new joiners or people from before. So I actually didn't... The, the argument was that people less likely to vote for Rebecca Long-Bailey were less likely to get their ballots. Um, I voted electronically and I have done my voting. Are you prepared to say how? Are you? Yeah, I will. All right. Um, well, <laughs> I feel bad about it now, but actually uh, I put Rebecca Long... Sorry, <laughs> no, no, just kidding. Uh, I put Lisa Nandy as my first preference and Keir as my second. Hmm. Um, I, I'd been warming to Rebecca Long, baby, but then she annoyed me uh, with a few things in the just before. Um, so she didn't get a mention. And uh, Angela Rayner as my first preference, followed by Richard Bourbon. No, oh. again, not really. Uh, no, the Scottish fella. <laughs> well, although putting if you're putting Angela Rayner first preference, but your second preferences doesn't really matter anyway. Does, exactly, exactly. Plus, you know, I'm thinking if you, you know. Um, I really, really want to cause an un- uncomfortable relationship between uh, Rebecca Long Bailey and Angela Rayner, who share a flat. Um, do you think it will be as uncomfortable as the um, the time that uh, Len McCluskey, Tom Watson, and the bass player from Suede shared a flat? The, uh, <laughs> uh, but, no, there's sorry, a sitcom. I was going to make a thing that would have to be cut. <laughs> I'm. Not, uh, I'm not angry. I am disappointed, but 
the uh, I think well would you like to, would you like to guess what you think my preferences were for uh, for VP for well for do leader first oh I assume from your Twitter artwork that Rebecca Long Bailey was your first preference and um, I think your second preference judging by our conversation would probably be Keir Starmer I didn't put a second preference but yeah I mean that, I was going to um, say. That, either wasn't that, that a seems like the no most point. likely uh, choice for you. Sorry, that, I mean, a there wasn't there wasn't a point, and b that's just absolute for the. Uh, there's a, I'm uh, shrugging my shoulders in a very French fashion about choosing between the other two. But well, we the, have been philosophizing earlier as well. So could you get a uh, roll, thin rolled up cigarette just to go with that? I am wearing a black polar neck actually. Uh, but and for uh, deputy, what do you think? Or how do you think I went? Richard Berg and Angela Rayner. No other. Not far, not too far off. I went um, Bergen first, Dawn Butler second, uh, Angela Rayner third. The um, I really like Dawn you, Butler and um, you didn't I, want to go for Doctor. What's her name? Who's a doctor? Mentions that they're a doctor. Doctor Doctor seventeen times in her Doctor text. I didn't get the text, but um, she hasn't impressed me particularly with her knowledge of. Um, Doctrine. Well, I'm sure. No, no. I think she's prop. I'd, I'd much more uh, be prepared to be treated by her in A and E than I would to have a leader any, anywhere leader political party I was a member of. Um, she would, if there was a point putting anyone past Angela Rayner, I would have put her fourth. Um, there you go. But uh, there's. Um, so I yeah. So I really it, it was it was actually a, a very difficult decision, and it's come down to what I think is going to happen with the um, the leadership. So I would have been very happy with a, a, a um, Rebecca Long Bailey Dawn Butler um, team, mm-hmm. and but I think in the instance that we don't get a left wing leader, we need the staunchest leftist. Um, uh, hard, hard left, hardliner as we can as deputy, and I think Richard has the best chance of coming, um, coming second, uh, of, of coming, um, in, well, basically yes, coming second in the, in the actual thing, but then picking up enough second preferences to win. If you see what I mean, I think Angela. Rayner I, will, I think that's what you're saying. Yes, he can scrape yeah. it. Yeah, he he has a possibility of winning, whereas I think um, Dawn has less of a possibility of winning. Um, and the, it's also uh, a gift to some comedians. So, I mean, it would be nice to get him in a more high-profile position. He's remar- he's remarkably solid on everything. I think I know some pe- people don't like him, and that's but the people don't like him because he does the same thing that um, essentially Bernie Sanders does. Have you seen what happens when someone asks Bernie Sanders a question? He ages slightly. Uh, Bernie, what is um, your favourite colour of sock? And he goes. And he'll go, blue, of course. But the real problem, the real question is people don't want to know about what colour my socks are. They want to know about the uh, millions of people in this country who are dying or going bankrupt because they can't get uh, medical treatment. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I understand the, um, the, the interview technique. The pivot, the pivot. But I think there's... I think like, especially when it's really badly done, as he does. But we, but it's needed. It's needed. It's absolutely needed because you need to. 
um, stop letting people uh, dictate what they're saying. And some of the most depressing things about this leadership campaign have been the fact that people have felt the need to um, take questions on face value. Whereas um, Keir Starmer has been annoying in the fact he won't answer any questions, particularly ones on funding, and that's shown him up in a bad light because there are some questions you should answer. Whereas Rebecca Long-Bailey seems not to think that she can pivot away from stuff. So the the 10 out of 10 for Jeremy Corbyn, while true, is was a not a particularly good media answer. And the um, the... The the stuff now where she's talking about um, oh yeah the part she, the part can, can she could not help. have quickly said yeah you know I did say ten out of ten but on balance it was probably like ten out of forty I mean it would have would have had to win for it to be higher I I, I don't know you could I I don't think there's a apart apart from doing some things which Jeremy Corbyn was never going to do I be I be tougher on dissent. Um, I don't think there's a lot more Jeremy could have done, if you see what I mean. So by his own um, terms, I think he's done it pretty much everything right. And he's been a... If There's been no coverage of it, but he's led the line phenomenally since the election. He's done really well. But but I think there's... There, so answering, bothering to answer questions about whether or not Alistair Campbell should be allowed back into the party um, or Luciano Berger. So... Should you, Luciana Berger want to um, join the Labour Party? Um, she can join. Uh, the answer is she can join if a local CLP committee feel that she's um, someone who agrees with and will promote Labour values, uh, then she can join. I have no idea what her local CLP is, but it would be. But the in the correct in the way the same way the correct answer about whether or not anybody should be suspended is we have a quasi judicial process and. And that you know we follow and the rules should be followed. That's the answer. And if someone wants to join, you go well. The, the, what happens is that their local CLP are um, in charge of deciding whether or not they, you know, are held um, whether they were held for labour values and whether or not there's someone who should be a member. And the leadership should have nothing to do with that. What then? What people are really asking is, would you have Luciana Berger back as an MP? And you go well, no, not unless she joins, gets selected by her. <laughs> constituency wins a seat you know it's it's not a it's not a club you can't flit in and out you can't robert kilroy silk can't come back <laughs> so um incidentally who are the five funders do you think that um Keir doesn't want to talk about i imagine they would they are or, or uh, slash isn't allowed to by party rules as he well no he is he is allowed to as everybody else has so he's totally allowed to but that, that is a, these rules are a baseline, not a uh, top line or whatever. But the um, I've got I've, I genuinely have no idea. I mean uh, Sainsbury, possibly. Um, oh, yeah. I wouldn't would, be. That I, wouldn't I mean, surprise that would be me. Fine. No one would be upset about that, would they? I think. Well, I did. I think people who. I think people who know. I don't think a lot of people would. <laughs> no. But I think enough people would I, draw the parallel between... I guess the, the problem is the current electorate, I guess. They'll hear anyone with any money and he... I don't know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a very, very low swipe. No, I don't think so. I think it's, I think it's completely fair to say. Where's, where's the money coming from? I didn't get a poster, by the way. Did you get one? Poster? Does uh, Keir Starmer come through the post for you? Oh, I think I got some... Yeah, I, I'm not sure I... 
knew what to do with it. I definitely got our thing through the post. Did you, you? You got to vote, right? Oh, I voted, yeah, but I didn't get a poster. No, I definitely got something through the post. I but, also um, got. I also keep, uh, you know, um, Long Bailey and and Nandy um, asking again. Um, you know, for targeting questions, basically. No, I've got. I've I've had very little. Um, I've got my Richard Bergen badge, but I paid for that. <laughs> um, but it's. <laughs> oh dear. So I I know I think I think it's I think it's um by your funders shall you judge the if you, if you well I presume it, I presume he would you know rather than go through all of this unless the funders aren't keen or the funders aren't keen for or an or and that's that's the thing they want to highlight but that know. will come but that they will come out eventually but just they think it. What the funders think, if they're telling him not to right now, or what he thinks, he thinks it will damage his chances. So that's the only reason to be like that. So it ought to damage his chances by default, because you have to assume yeah. the worst. Well, that's exact. That's sort of my point. Is that like by asking him to talk about the funding, that because she knows that's the outcome, right? That he doesn't want to talk about it for one reason or another. So it'll just look bad. It's a conspiracy. It's a deliberately designed to create a conspiracy theory thing. I think it's deliberately designed to create transparency, because we deserve to know. So if it was, I don't know. If it was Rupert Murdoch, I really don't think it was, or would be. But Seems if unlikely, it were, doesn't it? But yes. But hypothetically, if it were Rupert Murdoch, do you think that might change uh, Keir's uh, position on maybe or whether or not Labour would still be committed to Leveson too, for example? That's a fair point. Or, on the other you know, hand, you got you'd have to be very impressed by any Labour leader who can bring Murdoch on board again. But the well, you would be, but I wouldn't. But there's the point. So there you go. So that changes his relationship. And the, he, if Keir Starmer wins, he will win because he's persuaded enough of people who voted for Jeremy Corbyn once or twice that he's left wing enough for them. Yeah. And that's and and ob, quite obviously releasing the information about his funders is detrimental to that. So you have you have to take it as if it's detrimental to that. And I don't. And I think that's really that's disappointing because then that yes, it does look like people are campaigning negatively, but all they're asking for is transparency. And I think it's um, it's it, it's likely to be a number of. Fairly nondescript, but New Labour-aligned donors, I imagine. Yeah, people, who, people, think of, of not, people who think of themselves as more significant or important and having more effect on the outcome than maybe they would. I think that's, I think that's true that people would, yeah, probably won't know who they are. Um, yes. But that, so I, so I think he's, who, I, think he's only, I would imagine the only people, even within the party, who actually care particularly, especially if it's like, Sainsbury are going to be voting for Rebecca Long Bailey anyway. You would think that, wouldn't you? So this is why I think it's an indication of how badly someone can handle an issue. So his handling yes. of the issue is a black mark against him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and therefore, and 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 to be honest, that did kind of affect my um, leaning towards. Uh, oh God, which means I've been manipulated by Rebecca Long Bailey. Mm, I had a dream about that. The uh... 
Now who's doing it? <laughs> this, I'm sorry. The uh, I actually had a dream where I had an argument with Paul Mason um, about <laughs> about this all. So are we saying then to pretend that we've got a feature there? Are we saying Keir Starmer's response to um, questions about his funding has been clever, Adam, or stupid? Well, I'm not sure there's a win available for him. I think the clever person is uh, RLB for bringing it up in the first place. But his response may well have cost him my first preference. So if the country's on lockdown um, at this time, which is getting increasingly likely when the the results come out in a month or so, um, it might be the only news going. We could have the quietest rally there is. (laughs) From my point of view, this is it's, it's cost saving as well. <laughs> I haven't been able to buy anywhere near as much toilet paper either. The uh, <laughs> yeah, you normally like to buy yourself a good twenty thousand rolls every trip to the supermarket. And this is and you this is to cut um, down on toilet rolls and curry. And this is why I'm so um, disappointed I didn't get a, an A3 post of Keir Starmer's face through the letterbox. The, <laughs> Um, one last thing before you go, Adam. Have you seen the polls on the uh, London Mayor voting that have come uh, out today? No. Oh, I was going to say, I did see something that upset me about the London Mayor voting, which was that um, when our responsible uh, Prime Ministerial uh, London Mayor um, suggested that people should carry on using the tube, uh, his unpleasant Tory uh, sort of was whipping up the fear idiots twitter storm you know you know how it works mm-hmm. and either you know either some idiots or some bots or an unpleasant combination of the both were saying how disgusting it was that Sadiq doesn't care for people um suggesting that they should go on the tube when it's obviously going to kill them well it seems that most of those uh, supporters for uh, Sean Bailey based on the on the polls aren't real people they are just bots on the internet but there well, is yeah I, I can believe that because there, there seems to be like if they're aiming at the sort of group of people they appear to be aiming at they're gonna find that quite a lot of those people wouldn't really want sean in the country either well that's a, it's an interesting thing isn't it but the, there are lots of people on the internet who are um prepared to be uh, swayed by a lot of other nonsense on the internet the nonsense of the uh, liberal commentary app because uh, Rory Stewart is polling 13%. The, wow, um, that's like uh, that's nearly a million people, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, roughly, yeah. Uh, well, not quite when you talk in terms of um, electorate, but yeah, the, the maybe yeah, 500,000, something like that. But that's a lot of people being uh, a lot of Guardian readers. The uh, but there's it's a, but it, it it shows that it's very it, it, if the polls don't change but they do change only slightly if you see what I mean it would be possible for Sadiq Khan to win in the first round of voting he's on forty nine that would be nice wouldn't it um, well apart from the fact that he's in t- a total melt yeah we've reached the end of it for this week um, do. Uh, visit us thatoption.co.uk or tweet us at thatoptionpod um, or even email us hello at thatoption.co.uk if you have any desire to Um, and join us next time where 
I, I mean, I guess the leadership thing will still be rumbling on. Yeah, we might even like think about it in a rational way. Perhaps we can have some sort of countdown for you lazy late voters or people who have only just got your ballots. Don't have nightmares. <laughs>